Hello, we're Equinor. As a global energy leader, we're working hard to reduce methane emissions and our carbon footprint. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Thursday, December 12. In today's news, President Trump's health care agenda is thwarted by infighting among his own aides. The president ditches an effort to kill a major federal agency, and Donald Trump Jr. got a special permit to hunt an endangered sheep days after he killed it. But first, the big idea. The House Judiciary Committee will vote later today to advance the two articles of impeachment against President Trump. There will be a debate over amendments, and Republicans plan to offer several, but Democrats have agreed to uniformly oppose them all. The full House is then on track to pass these two articles and thus impeach the president next week before leaving for Christmas vacation. That will put the ball in the Senate's court after the holidays. More than a dozen Republicans in the upper chamber tell us that they're planning on holding as short a trial as possible, despite the president's desire for them to mount an aggressive defense on his behalf. Several GOP senators say privately that it would be much better to limit the trial and quickly vote to acquit Trump rather than engage in what could become a political circus. The emerging plan would provide sufficient time, possibly two weeks, for both the House impeachment managers and Trump's attorneys to make their arguments before a vote on the president's fate. Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, in particular wants a quick, clean trial to minimize political distractions in an election year during which Republicans will be working to protect their slim majority. The tension now is over whether to allow witnesses who could turn the trial into a more contentious affair. Trump's desired witness list includes House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff, Speaker Nancy Pelosi, former Vice President Joe Biden, and his son Hunter, as well as that anonymous whistleblower whose complaint about the president's conversation with Ukraine's president led to the House inquiry. Senior Republicans said they see no need for controversial witnesses if their testimony won't ultimately change the expected outcome, which is an acquittal for Trump. McConnell's not sure Republicans have enough votes to only call Trump's preferred list of witnesses. Any agreement to call a witness requires 51 votes, and if Democratic votes were needed to end an impasse among Republicans, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, the Democrat from New York, would demand his own list of witnesses as part of any compromise. McConnell believes this would mean that Vice President Pence and top White House aides, including Mick Mulvaney, the acting chief of staff, would be compelled to testify, which McConnell sees as deeply potentially damaging for the president. Pence yesterday rejected a request by House Democrats to declassify details from a September call that he had with Volodymyr Zelensky, the Ukrainian president. Schiff says the information, which he's reviewed, is pertinent to Trump's wrongdoing, and that that's why the White House is trying to cover it up. And there continue to be other developments in the cascading investigations. Federal prosecutors revealed last night that Trump's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani's associate, Lev Parnas, who has been helping with the Ukraine effort to dig up dirt on Biden, received a $1 million deposit in September from a Russian account. That was a month before he was charged with conspiring to funnel foreign money into U.S. political campaigns. And Parnas failed to disclose the million-dollar payment to the government when he was applying for bail. The payment raises provocative new questions about the nature of the work Parnas and his associate Igor Fruman were doing and who they were doing it for. Much about what they did remains unclear. 
There's little detail or explanation about the source or purpose of the payment in this new court filing, but prosecutors said the money was sent to an account in the name of Parnas' wife, Svetlana. Parnas, a U.S. citizen who was born in Ukraine when it was part of the Soviet Union, could face at least five years in prison on the counts with which he's already been charged, but prosecutors say he remains under investigation and will likely face more charges. Parnas and Fruman are also accused of using an unnamed Russian national as the source of funds for political donations to curry favor with state and federal officials in the U.S. to start a retail marijuana business. The government didn't say whether the same Russian was the source of the million-dollar payment in September. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar and should not be overshadowed by impeachment. Number one, the administration's health care agenda has been thwarted by an erratic president and feuding aides. Though polls show the issue is critically important to voters, including Republicans, Trump has failed to deliver on his most important promises. His plan to dramatically lower the prices consumers pay for prescription drugs has been stalled by internal disputes, as well as technical and regulatory issues. And an administration plan to replace the Affordable Care Act has not materialized, even as the administration seeks to strike down the entire law in federal court. In recent days, the conflicts between Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar and Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services Administrator Seema Verma have spilled into view. There have been a stream of devastating leaks about Verma's use of taxpayer dollars. She spent $3 million bucks to hire Republican operatives as federal contractors so that they could boost her personal profile and get glossy magazines to run photo spreads of her. And then it came out over the weekend that Verma tried to recoup $47,000 from the government for jewelry and other clothing that was stolen while she was on a work trip in San Francisco. Verma has, in turn, assigned her top staffers to focus on probing the leaks. She's concluded that they came from the HHS General Counsel's office. Azar denies that he had anything to do with the leaks. While conflicts within agencies in the White House are not unusual, officials say the tension among various players on health policy has grown untenable in recent months, and it's impacting public policy. Senior advisors have also found it challenging to navigate the president's moods, interests, and mercurial personality, which has led aides to pursue plans that were ultimately scrapped, at times, for political reasons. The president's defenders and some administration officials say that Trump has changed the conversation around drug pricing by forcing Republicans to talk about an issue they traditionally ceded to Democrats and by pushing pharmaceutical companies to lower some prices, if only temporarily, after shaming them on Twitter. But voters have yet to see any real changes in what they pay at the pharmacy. And the changed conversation is yet to find its way into drug pricing legislation supported by Republican leadership. A bipartisan drug pricing measure that would cap out-of-pocket costs for seniors in Medicare, which was negotiated by Senate Finance Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley, the Republican from Iowa, and ranking Democrat Ron Wyden from Oregon, looks increasingly unlikely to pass, even though the White House endorsed it. Number two, Trump is abandoning his administration's faltering effort to dissolve a key federal agency. It's a major setback in his three-year battle to keep his campaign promise to make government leaner and more efficient. The Office of Personnel Management will remain the human resources manager of the civilian workforce of 2.1 million employees, 
and its functions will not be parceled out to the White House and the General Services Administration. The White House hoped that shuttering the agency could serve as a blueprint for eliminating other federal offices as Trump tries to contain the size and scope of a bureaucracy that he's called duplicative and inefficient, and to rein in a workforce he obviously views with deep skepticism. But Trump soured on continuing the fight after seeing an obscure Washington-area television program about how government works. This is according to multiple White House officials. WJLA, which is Channel 7 here in D.C., has a show called Government Matters. It's aired several segments about the OPM and what it does and what impact Trump's proposal would have. Apparently, and this is again according to White House officials, Trump saw one of those segments while flipping channels in the White House residence. Then he summoned top budget office and other White House officials to come talk with him in the Oval Office. The president told advisors that the plan would bring him poor reviews. Acting Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney, Acting Budget Director Russ Vogt, and Margaret Weichert, the White House official who's been focused full-time on this effort, tried to persuade Trump that he needs to keep going. But the president stood firm. Number three. Donald Trump Jr. got special approval from the Mongolian government to hunt an endangered sheep days after he killed it. Now, the Trump administration has been trying to strengthen ties with Mongolia, a longtime defense partner that lies between China and Russia to prepare for Beijing's growing global influence. In Mongolia, permits to shoot and kill an argali, which are prized for their tusks and meat, are determined largely by politics, connections, and money, according to ProPublica, which broke the story. Trump Jr. received a permit after his hunt, which ProPublica reports is a very rare occurrence. In fact, the Mongolian government authorized only 86 permits for the entire year. Trump Jr., who traveled with a large contingent of Secret Service agents, also met privately on the trip with the president of Mongolia. Look, it's easy to make jokes about the story. They write themselves. But this administration's sustained and systemic efforts to roll back protections for endangered species at home and abroad will be among the most enduring elements of the Trump legacy. In related news, Trump's plan to accelerate the capture and slaughter of 130,000 wild horses across the West over the next decade is drawing mounting bipartisan opposition on Capitol Hill. What Trump has proposed would be the most sweeping changes in federal protections for Mustangs and burros since Richard Nixon signed them into law nearly 50 years ago. Finally, before I sign off, I want to flag a new report that's just been released by two nonprofits. Two million of our fellow Americans still don't have running water. For real. And not surprisingly, the stark inequalities are race-based. Native American households are 19 times as likely as white households to lack indoor plumbing. Black and Latino families are twice as likely. The disparities also reflect an urban-rural divide. While the lead contamination crisis in Flint, Michigan highlighted the perils of aging infrastructure in the nation's cities, rural communities face special challenges, often lacking the economies of scale to upgrade systems and the local expertise to operate them. The situation is so dire in parts of rural America that experts liken it to that in the third world. And that's The Daily 202 for Thursday, December 12th. Thank you for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.
If you want to get more news about the impeachment inquiry, you can now subscribe to a new podcast feed from The Washington Post. All of our audio updates on the inquiry are in one place, including the latest from The Daily 202's Big Idea, Can He Do That?, and Post Reports. You can subscribe at WashingtonPost.com slash podcasts.